TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome to Nothing Impossible on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan with you on our weekly conversation about uh, what's happening with local innovation and new approaches to things. And we're going to fly around the world. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Las Vegas and technology and Sin City and uh, just a jam-packed show. Yeah, I think we, you know, what's great this week is that we, uh, we're jumping over to Israel uh, to talk about some tech startups there that are making their way to St. Louis. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the Yield Lab here in St. Louis, a local ag tech accelerator that is attracting companies to St. Louis as well as supporting St. Louis companies. And then we're going to go out to Vegas and talk about some of the innovation that's coming out of not necessarily the casino industry, but some of the smart city movement that's happening out in Las Vegas. Yeah, I read this article on City Lab and was like, we've got to talk with this author because this is so cool. They just have really flown open the doors to anybody who wants to experiment with a technology. You want to put, mount something on our traffic poles? Go ahead. Just give us the data. And I wonder, we, you know, I don't, we don't really think about this, but in Las Vegas, most of the people that are walking around downtown aren't the citizens of Vegas, right? So mm. that they're, they're not necessarily the voters that might say, I don't want this camera watching me. They're just like, look, I'm drunk and in Vegas hanging around. I'm taking an Uber. I'm taking these, this, you know, I'm not a voter in, in Vegas. So maybe I don't feel like I have as much agency or have that much of a concern on what's being tracked. And they're in Vegas. Everything's being tracked anyway. And they figure whatever happens in Vegas will stay in Vegas. Maybe that's not the case for smart city technology. What no? happens in Vegas ends up on the cloud. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. That's the new ad. No. And, and what's also interesting about that is uh, when you're a town like Vegas, or I'm thinking really of Austin, Texas, during South by Southwest and some of the other big events, these cities that host these have surges of people, yeah, and then it drains out. And then there's another surge of people, and then it drains out. And so maybe the smart city technology can really help uh, with uh, you know the, the placing of city services and, and those sorts of things when you have a bunch of people who come into a, to an area and you've got you've to up your, your ability in there. Yeah, changing infrastructure maybe on the fly. It's, it's really interesting. So yeah, we have, we have Israel and health tech companies. We have ag tech companies here in St. Louis and new stuff coming out of Vegas. Yeah, so let's get into it. We'll take a break and uh, get the long distance line warmed up. The undersea cable we'll call Don Rubin from BioSTL. He's in Tel Aviv, and that's up next. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. Welcome back. Michael and Travis with you. And let's uh, jump on the long-distance lines to Israel and say hello to Don Rubin of BioSTL. Thank you for calling in, Don. Ah, shalom from Israel, guys. Good to be with you, Michael and Travis. So uh, this is not a first trip for you or for Global STL or BioSTL over to Israel. What's, what's going on? What takes you back over there? Oh, well, you're right, Travis. We've been coming here uh, a couple, at least two or three times a year for the last almost five years now since we started the Global STL initiative. You know, BioSTL is kind of an umbrella organization for organizing much of the innovation ecosystem in St. Louis over the last almost 20 years now. 
And about five years ago, we launched Global STL to, to really help take us to the next level and, and, and recruit global innovation into St. Louis, because certainly we've seen that global innovation finds its way fairly easily to the East Coast and the West Coast, but in St. Louis, in the middle of the country, we have to be more deliberate, more proactive about going out and bringing that innovation to St. Louis. And Israel is, as, as you all know, it's known as the startup nation. There's more innovation happening here in Israel than any place in the world outside of Silicon Valley, and its strengths are very close matched to St. Louis's. Ag tech and and, and agriculture and, and plant science, healthcare, a number of areas that are that are big in St. Louis are also uh, are really a, a, Israel's a leader in innovation in those areas. And and this trip is all about healthcare. Uh, we've got with us on on this trip um, innovation leaders from BJC and Mercy and Centene and the St. Louis VA. And uh, um, you know St. Louis is a powerhouse in healthcare. And this trip is about scouting for some of the best innovation that can really move the needle and help our St. Louis institutions be the best they can possibly be. And in the, and in the process, hopefully recruit some of that innovation, the jobs, the, the talent uh, to St. Louis and really enrich our economy in St. Louis at the same time. Don, this is not the first time we've talked with you from Israel or gotten the, the, the scoop on, on these connections that are being built. And just for an example, uh, maybe it's in healthcare, maybe it's in ag, maybe it's in another industry, but uh, give people an idea of what it looks like when an Israeli company puts down roots in St. Louis. What does that entail? What is uh, BJC looking for? What, what's an example of what this looks like? Yeah, I'll give you an example of a, of a company, uh, a partnership that was just announced uh, just a few weeks ago. Um, and that is an Israeli company that um, that uses artificial intelligence uh, to um, uh, help predict the high, who are the highest risk um, members of a population in various health categories. And this company is partnering with St. Louis University. It's their first really go live partnership in the United States. Over 50% of healthcare costs are generated by less than 5% of the population. And if you're able to identify who those highest risk patients are, patient outcomes can be improved, healthcare costs for the system can be, can be reduced, and they're working on uh, colon cancer uh, and diabetes. And if you can predict um, who is more likely to develop diabetes, for example, you can do interventions, you can stop the progression before they become diabetic, before complications that can be very expensive. And so St. Louis University is the first hospital in the United States after great successes they've had in Israel and other parts of the world, the first in the United States is in St. Louis. And that's, the, and, and they're, and they're, they're, that's an example of the kind of innovation that can really give competitive advantage to our St. Louis organizations, and it can also improve the quality of life for St. Louisans at the same time. Well, Don, as, you, uh, as you've spent time in Israel, uh, you know, sometimes our, our listeners might have a, an idea of what makes startup spaces, startup communities tick here in St. Louis. Uh, but what is it about Israel that really makes it one of the startup capitals of the world? What have you noticed there? What have you seen? Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's in the water or something here because uh, almost everyone is entrepreneurial in some way. Um, first of all, it starts with great science. As a ter- they have, there's more engineers and scientists per capita than anywhere else in the world here in Israel. Um, but also, they, they say that part of it comes from the military. Everyone in Israel goes, as a young person, goes through the military, and it's a very decentralized, 
and uh, uh, informal military, where everyone is just responsible for solving problems all the time and uh, questioning authority all the time. And those are skills that, that uh, as you know, lend themselves to making a successful startup and, and sort of challenging the status quo and always trying to find problems to solve. And, um, and there's a real culture of that here. And, and uh, I mean, we've been blown away just today. Um, just today, we, we, we've uh, met with 12 different startups uh, who come through 30 minutes at a time to, to pitch ideas to us. And we've been blown away by some of the innovations that we've seen. There's been, you know, when you think about what is, what is digital health, what is, what is this healthcare tech all about? And when you think about all of the innovations in IT, you think of artificial intelligence and machine learning, virtual reality, data analytics, all the things happening in IT, when you bring those and converge those with healthcare, you take those, up, those, those great technologies to solve healthcare challenges. And we've seen it all. Just today, we've, almost, we've seen it all. For example, um, we've seen a virtual reality company and a gaming company find ways to improve chronic pain treatments to replace opioids uh, it, it's in, in amazing ways. Uh, we've seen a company that has a small device uh, a, a, that you can take at home. Anyone with kids will appreciate this one. A small device at home that has with it a stethoscope, an otoscope, monitoring heart, lungs, ears, throat, um, without having to go to see a doctor, without having to go to the hospital. Uh, you don't have to even wake up your kid to examine their lungs and send that data real-time to your doctor at the doctor's office. Um, and uh, another one I saw today, a digital diagnostic for people with food allergies, you just hold the device over your food and it sniffs the food vapors and can detect what, detect what the ingredients are in the food so you don't take a risk of having a nut or a sesame seed or something that could, that could uh, threaten to send you into anaphylactic shock or something like that. So, uh, I mean, these are things that are blowing my mind. And the one that right before I got on the phone, the last one that I saw maybe blew my mind the most, and this is a, a company with a device that can monitor heart rate, respiratory rate from a distance. No hookup to a patient at all. All it needs is a line of sight using some kind of safe lasers, and it's actually capturing motion-related data at a nano scale. I don't even know what that, it just blows my mind. They're, they're measuring your heart rate by, check, by picking up the tiniest motions in your chest, and, they, and it, it is proven to, to, to um, track exactly what being hooked up to an EKG would do. Um, these are the kinds of technologies that are, that are, that are emerging. And, uh, again, we want to make sure that St. Louis institutions have access to the very latest, the very best there is in the world. And we're active in 12 countries, but we started here in Israel, and Israel still is the centerpiece of, of our work. So my, my mind is just, first of all, I, I don't believe you, but I know it's true. <laughs> like, like, like this is, it's, it's, it's awe-inspiring to think that this is how technology is being used. And what, a point that you made that I think is, is really critical is very few companies are health care companies, right? Like you, you mentioned uh, augmented reality and virtual reality. Uh, you mentioned the gaming industry. Like, uh, have you seen a lot more of this intersectionality between different industries or sectors, maybe more so in, in a place like Israel than you see in the U.S.? Well, we're certainly seeing it here. I mean, we, you know, again, we've met with, uh, you know, a lot of CEOs of companies, and, and they always post up, here's my background, and, and very few of them have a background in healthcare or medicine. 
their backgrounds or in lasers or in or or in uh, algorithms or uh, just all kinds of areas that don't automatically uh, make you think of healthcare. Uh, but they're bringing these technologies to solve problems in healthcare. And healthcare, you know, in the, in the United States market is, is a place where they need to be if they're going to develop healthcare solutions. Uh, and, and, and I mean, so, so much of our GDP in the U.S. is, is devoted to healthcare and that's growing out of control. And there's such a demand to find ways to improve care, but do it at a lower cost and find ways to keep people out of the hospital, keep them at home, uh, diagnose, diagnosing themselves, treating themselves, uh, and, and only going to see the doctors and into the hospital when they really, really need to be there. And so, you know, f- harnessing all these other kinds of technologies um, is the wave of the future to bring that to healthcare. Don, you are calling us from a St. Louis firm. We're hearing about all these connections from Israel that come to St. Louis and help here, but you're calling us from a St. Louis firm that's done the opposite. They've gone to Israel. Well, that's right. Uh, I'm in, uh, we're in a St. Louis-based law firm's offices, Brian Cave, uh, which uh, actually merged with a London firm, I think, last year, which had a Tel Aviv office. And this office actually, as I understand it, uh, spends most of its time really not practicing law in Israel, but finding Israeli companies that need to go global and help them find their way into the United States, into Europe, into Asia. And uh, they were very nice to open up their conference rooms, their offices to us today. And I'm, and I'm uh, looking out over the Mediterranean Sea right now, although it's dark here now. Uh, um, and, uh, but... Uh, a beautiful view of uh, of Tel Aviv, and which is a which is a bustling city, and uh, you know we just uh, yesterday um, had a uh, a panel uh, where we had uh, the CEOs of three companies from Israel who've already engaged in St. Louis, who are already in St. Louis, and we filled the room with seventy other startups in Israel, so that they could hear from their peers about how Israel companies can be successful in St. Louis. You know, as you all know, you travel around the world, not everybody has even heard of St. Louis. And certainly when they think about coming to the United States, they automatically think of the East Coast and the West Coast. They think of Silicon Valley, they think of Boston, but they very seldom picture themselves going to the heartland of America. And uh, for us to be able to tell that story is a great opportunity, and there's nobody better to tell that story than their peers, in this case from Israel, who've already done it, who've come to Israel, I mean, have come to St. Louis and seen the strengths of St. Louis, the entrepreneur ecosystem, the strong hospitals and corporations, the entrepreneur support organizations, and the collaborative environment that we have in St. Louis, you know, we often, you know, sometimes we'll be bemoaned that we're a small town in some ways compared to the East Coast and the West Coast. But in this case, it can be a real advantage. We've got world-class assets, but because we're a little bit smaller, we're able, and relationships are really important in St. Louis, we're able to facilitate relationships and get access for these CEOs to the decision-makers at the big St. Louis health systems and corporations in a way they could never get on the East Coast and the West Coast. So, you know, it's an advantage we have from St. Louis. We need to take advantage of that. I heard earlier this week somebody shared a quote with me that said, uh, relationships are the foundation for the revolution. Uh, and it, it really, I think that's true in the startup space. If you think about startups and, and, and innovation, it's about disruption and revolutionizing entire segments or, or sectors. But, Don, this, this seems very inefficient, right? This is a lot of trips back and forth. 
uh, to Israel. Uh, it's identifying one or two companies at a time. Uh, and talk to us a little bit as we wrap up here about how that inefficiency could actually lead to greater impact, right? This isn't a marketing campaign. This is all relationship development. Talk a little bit about how that relates results in bigger impact for the Israeli companies and even for, uh, you know, solutions here in the U.S. Yeah, it's absolutely a long-term game about relationships. So, you know, a couple of the CEOs I talked about that are already now doing deals in St. Louis and are and are, are bringing their families to St. Louis, those are relationships that started already three, four, five years ago. We may have met the CEO the first time in 2014, and we've been tracking their progress. And uh, it's really important to be in the game uh, for a long time. Um, uh, you know, and it's not just one-off. You know, we, we come here, we're meeting with a lot of folks, um, but we started something uh, almost three years ago now. We, we call our Healthcare Innovation Summit, Global STL Health Innovation Summit in St. Louis. And this June will be our third of those. And in each case, we bring 14 companies at a time each of the last, uh, last couple of years uh, from Israel, from Europe. They were from the U.K., Ireland, Netherlands last year. We'll be adding, this year we'll be adding Singapore and Scandinavia as well. Um, and uh, we really make these companies compete to come to St. Louis. The first year, we had a little bit of arm twisting. But they've been so successful by coming to St. Louis. And as they say, they get more done in 24 hours in St. Louis than they can get done in a year in Boston trying to get meetings with decision makers. And uh, that word is spreading about St. Louis. And now they're falling over each other and competing to apply to get to the summit in St. Louis. So we re- we're trying to build St. Louis's reputation as the place you need to go if you're a global innovator in digital health and healthcare. You need to come to St. Louis. It's not the only place you need to go, but it's got to be on your list. And uh, and we want the, all the Midwestern organizations to feel like they need to come to St. Louis to access that. So on this trip, not only do we have our St. Louis organizations, but we actually have Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan is here with us as well because they've joined our platform along with some groups in Illinois and Iowa, and they know now that they need to part, be part of the St. Louis platform in order to access this global innovation. All roads lead to St. Louis. We want St. Louis, rather than being flyover country, we want St. Louis to be fly-to country. And these are all baby steps in, in, in building that narrative. All it, flight paths lead to St. Louis. It is the right? gateway to the best, right? Oh. <laughs> well, Don, thank you for joining us, uh, calling us from Israel. We love talking about this, and we love meeting these companies, too, when they come to St. Louis. So can't wait for that. No, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, and... Uh, Looking forward to being back in St. Louis in the cold weather soon. Uh, not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, Sounds like you've uh, got a better view there. Guys. All right, Don, thank you so much. And we'll be back right. on Nothing Impossible with more talking innovation and entrepreneurship right after this. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on KMOX. Michael and Travis with you. We just got done talking with Don Rubin of BioSTL from Israel. And now let's talk about the Yield Lab, which is an accelerator program that specializes in agriculture, technology, agribusiness. And Matt Plummer joins us from Yield Lab. Thank you so much for calling in, Matt. Hello. Thanks for having me. So before we jump uh, too far into some of these companies that just recently joined the Accelerator, uh, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about the Yield Lab and what, the, what an Accelerator is? Sure. Uh, so we were founded in September 2014 really with a mission to sustainably increase the world's food supply. And uh, we, thought a, we thought our approach would be to make 
make seed stage investments into into these very early stage companies that have technologies that that can change the world. So an element of that was because these companies are so young and so nascent, we wanted to put them through a program that could really expose them to some of the commercial opportunities and and technological resources that could really send their company growth on a on a on a uh, steep upward trajectory. So we have our companies come in for two days every couple of weeks, where we sit down with them. We run through their, uh, we, we run through their current strategy, some of the challenges they're facing, and how we might help them to be able to overcome all of that. So uh, we've been doing that now for uh, about four and a half years. Um, we uh, and we now have 27 co- companies in our portfolio uh, here out of St. Louis. And this is an example of St. Louis really zeroing in on an industry where we, we've got some prowess when it comes to uh, agriculture and agriculture technology. Uh, an example of St. Louis saying, this is an industry we can own, so let's own it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I could not agree with you more. You know, this uh, there, there's a rise of this 39 North District uh, uh, here in West County, which, which we're located in. It comprises the Donald Danforth Plant Science Center. Uh, the Helix Center, uh, uh, and, and Bayer Crop Science, and then Bridge Park, all buildings that are really geared uh, towards, towards supporting agriculture technology. And then the other, other element of that is if you go east uh, uh, and get to the Mississippi River, uh, the amount of volume of, of agricultural uh, products and commodities that move through there is, is just immense. So, you know, we've had, we have uh, the, tech, uh, the technological resources, as well as the commercial infrastructure uh, to really make this region uh, 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 strong. And so when, uh, when the Yield Lab scouts and identifies uh, startups in which to uh, place some investment, uh, they come from all over the world. Are these mostly U.S. Or US and St. Louis-based startups? Talk a little bit about this most recent class and cohort. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so... <clears throat> Well, we're here in St. Louis. Uh, we're certainly not restricting ourselves to investing exclusively in St. Louis-based companies. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this new class had uh, two companies from St. Louis. We had one company from uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. Actually, our second investment out of Buenos Aires, Argentina. One company from New York City um, and another, uh, another company from Palo Alto, California. And uh, a sixth company from Baltimore, Maryland. And what are the different industries or maybe some examples of uh, the technological achievements that these companies have, have accomplished or offer? Yeah, certainly. So, you know, we invest in uh, agriculture technology, but we paint that in very broad strokes. Um, so we do everything from crops to animals to food ingredients to digital-related technologies, anything that can um, uh uh, make agriculture more productive and more efficient and, and more sustainable. So one of our companies here out of St. Louis, Arginatech, um, they're actually uh, essentially fermenting uh, uh, what's called carotenoids. Uh, and these carotenoids uh, have nutritional value both to, to humans and animals. Uh, just, you know, a couple examples is, you know, carotenoids are things that uh, make egg yolks yellow and salmon pink or red. Um, and so there's there's nutritional value to to this product here, and we're very much looking forward to to working with them. Uh, we have another company called uh, Planetarians. Um, that's actually a company out of uh, Palo Alto, California. And essentially, what they're doing is they've come up with a way to um, uh, uh, process sunflower seeds, where once they are dehulled or, or processed, um, 
the uh, leftover feedstock can be turned into um, uh, a valuable product or, or uh, it is upcycled. Um, and so these de-hulled sunflower seeds can be turned into uh, flour uh, for anything from breads to milk to, uh, to pasta. Um, and then finally, um, we have a company called Ewa from Buenos Aires, Argentina, that actually helps um, uh, seed companies similar to Bayer Crop Science here in St. Louis um, as they uh, uh, research and develop their new product lines of seeds. Uh, this company, Aowa, can actually help them in, in their R&D fields uh, track the progress of plants through photos, through sensors, um, through um, uh, watering of the plants and everything else to make the, uh, uh, to make the research process uh, far more efficient and uh, accurate. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Where can people go to get more information about uh, Yield Lab, about these companies, and as you move toward your next deadline, perhaps uh, even an application in the future? Certainly. Uh, anyone is always welcome to reach out to us to, to, to learn more about our portfolio, uh, but they can find us at www.theyieldlab.com. Great, Matt. Thank you so much. We'll be back on Nothing Impossible, where we're going to take a step out to Vegas. Now, back to Nothing Impossible on Kangam OX. Welcome back. Nothing Impossible. Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan. And we are, uh, this is near and dear to my heart, Michael. I don't know if you know this or our listeners know, but I lived in Las Vegas uh, for a period of time. I knew about the California connection. There's a bit of Vegas time, too, and it was still under the big umbrella of Sin City. Uh, But today we're going to talk about Vegas as maybe a smart city. Uh, which maybe people don't put those two things together. It's very much a data-driven city. If you mm. could imagine how much data is thrown off by the gaming industry. Uh, but we have Laura Bliss with City Lab on the line joining us uh, about an article she wrote about this smart city movement in Vegas. Laura, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So Vegas is a smart city, huh? Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... To, to sort of push back a little bit on the frame, um, although the casinos that we tend to associate with Las Vegas aren't technically in the city of Las Vegas, they're, they're somewhere else. Um, I would say that a, a lot of the technology that we're now seeing uh, rolled out not only into the streets of Las Vegas proper, but other cities around the country um, have, uh, you know, a, a fair amount in common with some of the stuff that casinos have been doing for a long time, uh, right? Whether it's, uh, you know, putting uh, cameras, um, you know, at, at every sort of uh, entrance and gaming table, kind of every opportunity to, to keep an eye uh, on uh, the, you know, behaviors of the gamers and the uh, you know, casino staff to the big data analytics softwares that casinos have been pioneering for years to keep track of everybody's moves and what they like to spend their money on and what they order at buffets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we can kind of think about the smart cities movement about a lot of those technologies kind of moving into the public realm. Um, and just in the last couple of years, Las Vegas proper, so a couple of miles away from the strip, has really been getting on board um, in, a, in a kind of classically Las Vegas fashion and testing out like dozens, um, if not even hundreds, according to the city, um, of pilots of different kinds of smart cities technology. 
Well, and I, I, I appreciate the this this world that where where things start as a vice, right, or in the industry of vice, <laughs> and move into more of a mainstream, uh, consumer centric sort of sort of fashion. To call Vegas a sandbox in the desert seems a little too cliche, but are they really treating this as a sandbox where almost anything goes, and you can build sandcastles and and try and pilot new things? You know, that's that's uh, if it is a cliche, I, 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 it didn't even occur to me. But uh, I think that is a really uh, apt way of putting it. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, the city government of Las Vegas designated a um, pretty large swath of the downtown area as the city's innovation district. And this basically gave... Um, the city's IT leaders uh, clearance to invite in um, basically as many vendors as uh, are interested and and whose products sort of fall into a few broad categories um, to come in and test their products. So in the last couple of years, we've seen like just almost countless amount of um, traffic signal cameras that and, and, um, uh, streetlight timers and sensors, so so all kinds of contraptions sort of strapped to traffic lights, right, that are doing everything from pedestrian counts to car counts to measuring gunshot noises or, like, raised human voices that might <laughs> signal something is going amiss to uh, cars that are turning the wrong direction on the streets to weather probes. So gathering all that sort of ambient environmental data to, you know, an autonomous shuttle that robed up and down um, Fremont Street, which is sort of like the Las Vegas city, like the little mini miniature strip in, in um, Las Vegas proper, to, uh, you know, cameras that are mounted in public parks that are um, probing, you know, when <coughs> trash might be just tossed onto the ground and uh, in, in order to potentially... Uh, uh, call in the city's maintenance department. And all of these projects so far, it's really important to clarify, these have all have been pilots. Mm-hmm. So in many cases, the city government told me as, as I was reporting the story that uh, the city paid very little uh, or in many cases nothing for these technologies to be deployed into public space. It's basically an opportunity for the vendors to learn about how their products operate and also for the city to sort of see you know, what's what's useful, what's just kind of a piece of junk, um, and what, what might the city eventually, uh, if, if funding comes along, um, want to invest in for a kind of scaled-up version. We're talking with Laura Bliss, whose article on City Lab is entitled Las Vegas Gambles on a Smart City Technology Makeover. And Laura, does the city get access to the data that's generated from this? For instance, traffic counts, does that stay with the company? Or might the city get access to that to plan road construction projects, for instance? Yeah, um, so the city officials who are charging up or sort of coordinating with the, the vendors on these pilots told me that, yes, the city does retain control of the data. But I think it's really important to, to um, distinguish here. And, th- and this was kind of the point of the article, which I, which I invite everyone to, to go take a look at. Um, you know, this approach of kind of opening up public rights of way to let vendors test, you know, almost anything. (laughs) I mean, not, not anything, but right there, there were, there were some sort of like levels of, um, and like steps uh, for, for review for that the city wanted to do before letting people in. But, um, 
it, it really contrasts with, I think, what a lot of experts would say is kind of best best practices um, in smart city planning, quote unquote, at this at this point in time. So, uh, you know, the direction that a lot of other cities are sort of moving in is to say, oh, wait a second, we don't want to just give give up, you know, or give over our um, public resources and infrastructure. We want to make sure that, you know, whatever, you know, use of public resources is being um, used. <laughs> Let me rephrase that, actually. Since we're not, this is not live. Yeah, totally. Um, most sort of most most cities are saying right that um, you know rather than just sort of give up public infrastructure and rights of way to whoever wants to come along, whatever private sector vendor wants to come along and 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 make money off of it potentially, um, you know, cities. A lot of other cities are sort of starting from a, a place of okay, let's establish what policies we want first. Like what are what are sort of the outcomes that we want to see as a result of technology, right? Is it that we want to reduce pedestrian fatalities? Is it that we want to cut back on uh, carbon emissions, you know, in our downtown core? Do we want to, you know, reduce um, hospital waiting times or police response times to, uh, you know, gunshot activity? Whatever it is, right, they sort of start from that place and then build out, right, the whole kind of smart city package that they want to see. Kansas City is a good example of this. they issued this sort of major um, request to technology vendors after they sort of went through this whole process. Um, and that includes, right, like what happens to the data, for example. And Las Vegas is taking really a different kind of approach where it's just kind of in very, you know, frontier, almost kind of Wild West fashion, right, like throwing its doors open and saying, you know, come on, come all, we want to see what works. Uh, and we'll kind of figure out the policy stuff later. Would you say the kind of technology that is being uh, deployed in, in Las Vegas is more of the, the passive, it's observing, it's measuring, or are there more active forms of technology, autonomous cars or robots or drones, or I see there is an example of a different way of accessing parking. Uh, any, any more active forms of technology that are being deployed in this wild, wild west? Um, yeah, as I, as I mentioned, I mean, I think the, the thing that got the most attention from Las Vegas's various smart cities efforts over the years was that they were the one of the first cities to uh, actually have a autonomous shuttle, a self-driving shuttle operating, serving the public. Um, you know, it, it like fully. I think there there was like a safety driver who was who was sort of manning um, this little Navia like six or eight seater um, vehicle, but you know it was roving up and down um, a few blocks of this major um, like shopping and entertainment district um, in downtown Las Vegas. So so that's been you know very very visible. Um, you know, I think that. As far as other "quote unquote" active technologies go, um, I mean, yes, I think there has been some work to to sort of test out a demand responsive parking system, right, where people can kind of get pinged on their phones to see like where spaces are open up. There's also uh, a new app that the city rolled out to try to get citizens to um, like pay their bills and call three one one in a sort of easier way. But for the most part, you know, I think this is also striking about what Las Vegas has been doing. Um, you know, it's not it, the smart Las Vegas is not really responding yet to specific citizen needs. And and this kind of goes back to my earlier point that it's kind of, you know, try it first, do the policy stuff later. 
a lot of it has not been, I think, all that visible um, or really apparent to the actual citizens of Las Vegas. It's, it's kind of like using downtown, which tends to be more of a touristy area, um, as, a, as a chance to kind of say to the technology world almost, uh, you know, hey, we're, we're kind of open for business here. Well, I, I kind of see that very similar to if we go back to the casino industry. Uh, you know, the casinos try a lot of different things and then they let the experience inform the next iteration, right? Uh, and it's, it almost sounds like Vegas is doing this as it relates to their smart city. Without having a question that they're trying to answer, they will, they're taking all of this in and saying what questions are now surfaced and what answers are now present. And I, I, I think it is consistent with the ethos of Vegas, that it's just the Wild West. Let's, let's do a lot of things. Before, <laughs> before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, as, as I was reading over your article, um, you, know, you, you did point out that this model may not be replicated or able to be replicated in other, in other cities. But is there, uh, is there the opportunity for these outcomes to be replicated? So is this, can this be the opposite of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Could this be what happens in Vegas could solve a problem or be exported to other communities from an outcome standpoint, not a process standpoint? Um, yeah, well, I, 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 think, I think what I, what I would say is that, yes, I think just first of all, to respond to your, to your uh, insight there, that this is a very like Las Vegas approach. I think that's quite right. And I, I, there, you know, I spoke to sort of like, uh, academic researchers, right, who sort of look at, okay, you know, what 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 is sort of the smart Las Vegas platform really responding to? What is it doing here? And and he said the same thing, right? That it's this is like the city the city loves to sort of make these small bets and and kind of build stuff and blow things up when they don't work out and and kind of l- learn by doing. So I, I think that's quite right. Um, you know, I think that right. Other other cities have a little bit more, uh, you know, pressure on them to get the policy stuff right first, and I think they also might have a, a somewhat more engaged public that you know might be concerned. For example, that um, right, there's a bunch of new kinds of cameras mounted to to public streets, and they don't really know what they are. Um, I will say, though, that uh, a lot of civic leaders from other cities in the country are almost envious, actually, of Las Vegas's leeway in getting to test so much stuff. And what a few people told me at this gathering of um, like civic tech leaders in Las Vegas a couple months ago was that you know even if they can't be the ones kind of doing all this crazy testing, like they'll still get the benefit of you know learning. Okay, like which smart street light. Uh, is really effective and easy to use and which ones like, you know, have um, too many doodads in them and like mm. uh, become like a nesting ground for spiders. Like literally that was one of the sort of takeaways from from uh, one of Las Vegas's pilots. Um, so other cities definitely get the benefit, I think, of Las Vegas being this kind of come one, come all uh, sandbox. Can't wait to see what else comes out of it. Well, Laura, find this ar- a fantastic article on uh, City Lab. It's called Las Vegas Gambles on a Smart City Technology Makeover. Thanks so much for Skyping in. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you so much for joining our show this week. We will be back to talk more innovation as it happens here in St. Louis. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.